Holiday films are the perfect example of pro-consumerism entertainment. They are literally designed to remind people, yes, about that cozy feeling with families, but they're also designed to remind people how much fun Christmas and the holidays are for getting gifts and buying gifts and spending money. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Ben Landy. It's Thursday, November 23rd. Happy Thanksgiving. Today, I'm joined by Julia Alexander to talk about the big business of holiday movies, who's watching, why Netflix is dominating, and which streamers are punching above their weight. We'll talk about all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am, I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad Bed Cooling System is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for powers that be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.com dot me slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep you're creating a better life happy thursday everybody and happy thanksgiving i'm ben landy filling in for peter hamby who's taking a much deserved break so whether you're listening to this on your way to dinner or to get away from your in-laws you're stuck with me but this is going to be a fun episode we've got julia alexander back with us for the first time in a while to talk about all things TV and the Hollywood streaming business. Julia, it's great to see you again. Great to see you. Happy Turkey Day. (laughs) You too. Where have you been? You've been traveling, unavailable for a couple podcasts. I've been, yeah, around all of these United States of America, just busy with a lot of work that unfortunately cannot be discussed on this podcast. (laughs) Keep your secrets. Well, I'm very excited to have you here. This is the perfect time because we are talking about holiday movies or really holiday content on streaming, which is a huge, huge business. How big are we talking here exactly? How, how, how many TV shows? How many viewing hours? How big is that business? 
Well, we know for a fact that it is kind of a factory in many ways. If you look at what we see uh, within the Hallmark channel, where there's been, it's one of the few cable channels that has actually seen an increase in revenue, an increase in viewership year after year. Um, and we look at what we're seeing these streaming services do. You look at Netflix and its investment in the holiday programming. It's clearly very successful and rewarding for a lot of these platforms. And just to give you some ideas of what that means, when you look at the amount of hours spent, the amount of minutes spent between the period of about November 20th and January 1st, 2022, we actually get close to 1.3 billion minutes streamed of certain films like Home Alone. We get we see a, a lot of these holiday programs really leap up into the top 10 weekly, according to Nielsen. And so they dominate what you uh, people are watching across streaming and broadcast and cable television. However, as we look at the patterns of consumption across these different audience profiles, we can see that broadcast and cable viewing has actually decreased for the most part year after year, month after month. And so while that vast majority of consumption moves to streaming, finding those holiday programs to really bring those audiences in and use those holiday films as a launch pad for some other titles that they have programmed for Q4 becomes increasingly important for many of these companies operating their own streaming platforms. Yeah, in terms of those numbers, I, I remember I was shocked when I heard Matt say on his podcast, The Town, last year, that there are about 150 new original holiday movies that air on TV and stream. Um, the vast majority of those are, are Lifetime and Hallmark movies. But Julia, how important are those kind of movies to streamers in terms of the data you're looking at? Like, Do, do those juice the numbers a lot or is it just kind of baked in at this point? I think the unexplored question with a lot of these films, especially in 2023 and moving forward, is that holiday films are the perfect example of pro-consumerism entertainment. They are literally designed to remind people, yes, about that cozy feeling with families, but they're also designed to remind people how much fun Christmas and the holidays are for getting gifts and buying gifts and spending money. If you look at certain holiday films or almost all holiday films, there's a gift in every scene. There's hot chocolate, there's coffee, there's tea, there's a stocking. There's this idea that if you're an advertiser, being attached to some of these high volume, high impact, high conversion programming is really crucial. And so if you're Netflix, if you've got about 6% of your uh, of, of your US base using ads, but you've got uh, using the ad supported platform, but you're seeing about 25 to 30% of all new signups come in via the advertisement platform, that data is courtesy Antenna, a great media research arm. Um, what you're actually going to be thinking about is, well, how do we have the strongest impact for these advertisers that are paying very high CPM rates in order to kind of be on this platform? You can't really get that with all of your programming because different programming has different audience profiles. And so you can hyper-target these niche audiences. But when you look at that high value, high impact programming, there's only a couple that real a couple of content areas that really fulfill those demands. Sports is the biggest, which we know, but also holiday programming. And so if you're Netflix, the type of entertainment that this is, the, the fact that it requires very little investment compared to other programming, those are the relatively cheap films. You can cast unknown actors and bring them into your own holiday universe, which has its own reward years, year in and year out. And the fact that you can now attach a wide amount uh, of different brands and advertisement to that programming, which is kind of what we expect out of our holiday programming because of Hallmark and Lifetime Channel, becomes lucrative to a platform like Netflix. It's also lucrative to a company like Disney, which is also heavily invested 
invested in family programming and, and therefore holiday films. Uh, you look at HBO Max, you look at Peacock, which is partnered with the Hallmark Channel, of course, and all this ability to say to advertisers, not only do we have strong, highly valuable advertisement placements, but we also have really strong ad tech to make sure that it is targetable and addressable. And also if they pause a screen, there's a QR code and people can buy it automatically from their phones or from their TV sets. So all of this is kind of that core story around holiday programming on top of just the pure engagement that we see through those viewership numbers. I was going to ask you where you can actually find the Hallmark movie. So they're, they're partnered with Peacock. That's uh, one mystery solved. Are, are the Lifetime movies on Disney? I know Disney like co-owns that channel with Hearst, right? Mm-hmm. There is... The Lifetime movies are kind of all over the place. You find them on Hulu, you see some on Disney. Uh, But the vast majority of the programming for holiday films, which is really impressive, is that they see a lot of their audience come in from these broadcasts or over-the-air type channels as well as cable. Again, I mentioned earlier that Hallmark actually sees this kind of continuous growth in its viewership year-round, but especially around, around the holidays. And I think there is this idea that in order to reach the widest audience possible, you want to go to where that audience is. And in the U.S., it's still predominantly on over-the-air te- or, ca- or broadcast television. That's why you see a lot of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman and, and and Charlie Brown. A lot of them are on ABC or CBS or NBC. There's the moments of, well, we're going to reach this audience possible. You'll see Elf rerun or whatever it might be. But the streaming platforms have to do is really figure out what are the types of films that people are seeking out. So if you look at the Nielsen top 10 numbers from, from last year, from 2022, the films are pretty obvious, right? It's Home Alone, it's Home Alone 2, it's Elf, it's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So these types of films are actually more valuable to certain streaming platforms than just any run-of-the-mill programming. But that run-of-the-mill programming is really, really important for engagement. Or engagement can also be referred to as a referral value. And so the idea of this is that if you bring an audience in, and Netflix has become, in my opinion, the master of this within the streaming age, if you bring this audience in for a certain type of film, it doesn't have to be good, in fact, the cornier, the better for a lot of these holiday films. They will then be engaged with other holiday programming that they're finding along there. It doesn't necessarily have to just be the Home Alone type content. So you figure out ways to increase that referral that referral value to keep people engaged on your specific platform. If, however, you own the rights to a Home Alone, a Home Alone 2, a Grinch Who Stole Christmas, those types of films are consistently being sought out. So it's a really strong opportunity to then Uh, program some other films, some other TV shows that you're looking, some new titles that you're looking to bring to audiences without having to spend as much on those marketing and customer acquisition costs because you have this uh, very strong tie-in and lead-in already. All right, Julia, let's take a quick break. And then when you come back, I want to ask you about the return on investment on this stuff. Let's get into some of the details and also which streamers are winning the holiday wars. Hey, Powers That Be listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated list of gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. I use Etsy all the time and have for years. I bought my brother some artwork. I bought my wife some jewelry. I even bought a rug 
for our living room on Etsy. I love it. But there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for friends and family members around the holidays or birthdays in my life. And sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for a buddy who's just as into Cincinnati sports as I am, a hot cup of Joe, Joe Burrow mug. That's right, I found that on Etsy, it's amazing. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic, try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash powers that be. netsuite.com slash powers that be. That's netsuite.com slash powers that be. Okay, we are back with Julia Alexander. Julia, I want to ask you about the financial side of this, get into the details a little bit more. I assume Netflix spends a lot more money on an original holiday film or TV special than, say, Lifetime or Hallmark do. They think these channels are literally like holiday movie sweatshops. But talk to me about the ROI. Um, what kind of holiday movies are actually doing well for these platforms? Well, I think before we get into the what does well from a holiday movie, when we think about that return on investment and the idea of how you then pay off a film or pay off a series over the course of its lifetime on a platform uh, within all these different companies. What's really important to acknowledge is what type of movie works for these platforms in general. And so if you were to ask me the perfect Netflix movie in terms of your ability to amortize those costs and look at the overall engagement and now looking at the ability to possibly throw ads against it, the perfect Netflix film is probably between 25 and $40 million uh, in terms of what you're going to spend on marketing, in terms of customer acquisition costs, in terms of the overall LTV that that or lifetime value that that film ends up providing to some of these consumers. Christmas films typically sit under... $10, $8 million. So they're already on the cheaper side. And because Christmas films, you don't necessarily need to rely on A-list talent. Now, Netflix has in the past. They've worked with Vanessa Hudgens. They've worked with with well-known actors to kind of really spruce up their holiday offering. But because for the vast majority of it, you can use unknown actors because the setting is Christmas. The the real big draw in is Christmas. It's not necessarily the cast. Um, You can actually do it for much cheaper on the talent side as well, on the writing side. And uh, so when we look at what those films end up doing for Netflix, we then have to look at the viewership side of the the question as well. And if you look at 
at the Netflix top 10 from last year when they started breaking out some of these numbers that we could see, you know, those holiday films dominate in large viewership numbers. We're talking 32, 40 million hours in one week of a certain type of film globally. Those engagement on those films and their ability to kind of engage those customers and their ability to bring those customers to other titles and so lowering customer acquisition costs across the board actually make those films much more profitable for the rest of the film catalog on Netflix. And I think that's this idea of when we look at the overall value of that slate and why you want to invest in holiday content anyways, it's a period where people are home for the holidays, where the TV is always on. And unless you're watching football today, uh, a Thursday as you're, as you're listening to this, unless you're watching football, you probably have some form of holiday movie on or a holiday special of a TV show. And so having access to those brings you into the platform at a very limited amount of spend. But the overall return on that engagement, because now you've got people engaging with that platform more often, they're watching other titles, they might watch another movie that Netflix spent a little bit more on. That's where that real profitability for those titles comes in. And if we look at Netflix's big strategy around film, it's kind of this beautiful dichotomy of you've got really, really significantly overpriced films, one would argue, something like Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon, which is coming out and is going to skip theaters. It's a $200 million movie. It's going to go straight to Netflix. The marketing costs for that film are going to be particularly high, I imagine. The customer acquisition costs on new customers who aren't already on Netflix, which uh, as Zack Snyder fans, which I imagine is a relatively low base or or there's not really a lot of, of customers to bring over, especially in the United States, that's going to make it a, an extra difficult film to kind of create profit off of, even as you amortize those costs. But having it come out around this time of the holiday season, where there's all these other films that are providing success at an extraordinary level that are overperforming for Netflix, really helps balance out some of that slate. So that's where we see some of the potential financing structure and the potential financial success for a lot of these different films. Yeah, and I assume these are great for advertisers too. And that, that's an area where a lot of the streamers are trying to get into the advertising business in a big way. And, and you know, t- to your point with these holiday movies, these are pretty like low calorie junk food content uh, that, that people can just kind of throw on in the background and they can binge while they're online shopping or whatever. But Julia, who, who do you think among the streamers is sort of punching above their weight? I mean, I know you mentioned Netflix has this big Zack Snyder movie coming. They've got a lot of other holiday movies in the pipeline. But are there any other streamers that, you, that we should be watching out for here that are leveraging holiday movies in a, in a unique or different way? I'll give one example of a streamer that I think is punching above its weight in its strategic approach. And I'll give two examples of streamers that are not necessarily performing the way I would have hoped. Um, Let's start with the two. And so both Paramount Plus and Apple TV Plus have relatively low overall demand. So in in demand meaning uh, customer, an expression of customer interest or engagement in certain types of films, which is comes from Paired Analytics, where I work as director of strategy. Um, And so they have some of the lowest demand looking at kind of the 2022 numbers of holiday programming. And Apple, you can kind of understand because they're not really big into original programming, except that they have the peanuts, right? So they have kind of the Charlie Brown, Snoopy uh, world. They have the family entertainment. And so I was expecting Apple to be a little bit higher at this point in their in their venture, especially because it speaks to the family-friendly ideology that CEO Tim Cook really expressed kind of at the beginning of Apple TV Plus's uh, existence in the streaming uh, universe. 
Paramount Plus also a little bit surprising only because of their massive library coming from the Paramount Global Library. And so the lack of demand really speaks to potential investment opportunity for that company at a relatively low investment rate. Um, and then the, the company that I think overperforms from a strategic standpoint is Peacock. I think what they realized at NBC Universal was we don't necessarily need to invest in a bunch of original holiday films, and I'm sure they'll invest in some, that doesn't say they're investing in none, but we can partner with Hallmark. We can have a Hallmark channel within our channel design system where you go through and there's a movie on all the time, and you can just have people stay on that channel throughout every single day in December, and you can place really strong ads on that. You know, when we looked at some of the, the data behind it, the advertising impressions and then grew for, I, I believe it was 40% during the holiday season, and the conversion rate grew 60% for some of those ad impressions on holiday programming. And so if you're Peacock and you've got really strong ad tech, you've got really strong purchase directly from the streaming service capabilities, and now you've got this channel that operates 24-7 where people can kind of go to and just leave it on in the background, plus access to some of the, the football programming that's happening and some other really special holiday curated episodes of shows like 30 Rock. Now you're in a place where Peacock becomes this destination during the holiday season. That's six weeks. And those six weeks, are enough time to really reiterate the idea of a core value that a platform might have that you might not have otherwise thought about. And for Peacock, which is struggling to grow in the same speed that its competitors in the US have grown, the holiday time period and, and really investing in its relationships with the companies like Hallmark that are doing a lot of the hard work and figuring out ways to format that from a user interfacing, user experience perspective, I think gives Peacock a nice advantage We'll see if this is reflected in the streaming uh, viewership numbers. And I doubt that we'll see that just because of their scale compared to Netflix and Hulu and Max. But I do think it's a really smart move. And I suspect it's a very strong and lucrative period of time for them, especially on the ad front. Julie, you're, you're so good on this stuff. And this is so interesting. I, I appreciate it. Before I let you go, what's your, uh, what's, what's your own favorite holiday movie? Oh, I think mine has to be. some recommendations? <laughs> Oh, mine are always so basic, but I think it's a tie between two completely different movies. One is the 2005 live action Jim Carrey, Grinch Who Stole Christmas, watched as a kid, still one of my favorites. Um, and then also the 1970s Black Christmas horror film, which I know Ben is a big horror guy. And I watch yes, that I <laughs> um, every, every Christmas and it brings a lot of joy to me, despite it being very macabre. I have not seen that and I've got to check it out. What about you? I am not embarrassed to admit that, that we have done a number of rewatches over the years of the Lord of the Rings trilogy, which, yes, that is a Christmas movie. If you recall, they came out in December each year, 2001, 2002, 2003. Still holds up. So that is probably in my queue. Julia, thanks as always for being here. I'll see you next Thank time. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.